Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. For joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Today we're going to be talking with Jeremy Cashman. He is the Director of Engineering and the City Engineer for Carmel, Indiana. Jeremy, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here today. Now, folks who know a little bit about your city probably will be able to guess why we're talking to you and why Carmel is known in traffic engineering circles. But why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about the city and paint a bit of a picture for us about why Carmel is called the roundabout capital of the United States, if you would, please. Yeah, so Carmel, Indiana is located just north of the city of Indianapolis, Indiana. Currently, we're home to 142 roundabouts. We just recently opened um, number 142 over the last couple of weeks. Uh, We have several under construction. We have a handful of roundabouts set for construction yet this summer constructed our first roundabout in 1996. Um, and one thing about Carmel is we've seen, you know, since that time frame, we've seen pretty substantial amount of growth under the direction of our mayor, Jim Brainerd. He's done a great job of really looking forward to what he wants the city to be. How can we grow and compete in a global economy? And really looking at how we can um, safely do that, safely move vehicles through our city. So our first roundabout, like I said, was constructed in 1996. And that was, was actually like a private roadway, private development that went in. And then after that, we constructed our first two really on a new north-south corridor on the east side of the city. So that was one of, um, one of the mayor's first big projects he completed. Um, and he really started becoming enamored with roundabouts after, after spending some time overseas. I believe he did some grad school work, studied abroad. So while he was there, he saw that there were roundabouts. He saw that they functioned very well. At some point in time, once he started really looking at transportation planning, he decided, why don't we try some here? So that was um, one of the first steps. Roundabouts take a little bit of space, I guess, in some places to create. Give me a sense of what development is like in Carmel. Is it a problem finding the land to create these roundabouts, or is that really not necessary? Well, I think it really becomes um, the context of where you're placing a roundabout. Um, we actually have some studies in certain areas where, you know, when you're converting a two-lane roads with stop-controlled intersection to a roundabout, depending on what you're looking at traffic-wise, the roundabout might actually fit a little better because, you know, you're not going to have to have a left turn through and a right turn in some instances. So, so some of the single-lane roundabouts seem to fit pretty well. Carmel, Indiana, you know, our east and west side are more suburban, but our interior of the city is starting to become more urban. So uh, not only are we constructing those roundabouts in the, in the suburban portions of the city, but we're in the last six years, we've been focusing on the internal urban core of our city as well. You mentioned that first roundabout back in 1996 was constructed in a private development. And obviously, since then, they have become more prominent on public roads around the city. What kind of reaction have you had from the public? Did it start off somewhat skeptical and then people come to embrace it? Or are you finding that there are still some who resist the idea of creating these roundabouts? 
you know, you'll always find some resistance to what you're doing. Um, I mean, if the best thing to do is to have a clear vision of what you're going forward with and uh, how you, um, you know, the benefits of what you're building them for. Those first roundabouts that we constructed, like I said, were on a new north-south roadway. So what better place to put roundabouts is something on a new road. So when the road opened up, they were there and people got the benefit of using them. So that corridor has since been a boom for development on that side of the city, but it also gave a really good example of how roundabouts could be functional on our roadway system. Then you take that and move it to other areas of the city where as we begin to grow, we were taking over some older county roads that were four-way stop controlled. Obviously, during peak rush hour time, traffic does not move. One of those corridors, Spring Mill Road, was adjacent to US 31 or Meridian Street. So at the time, that corridor was all at-grade traffic signals. So there was a lot of progression issues on that road as well. Um, And one thing that we saw as we began, this is prior to me being here, but one thing we saw as we constructed the roundabouts on Spring Mill Road, it actually started pulling traffic off of the state road because Spring Mill had better flow than, than the state route did. Well, when you're pulling the traffic off of the state highway onto to Spring Mill, did that cause some resistance from folks saying, hey, now, you know, we put this in here, now we've got all this extra traffic that we weren't having before? Yeah, I mean, there's always those kind of discussions that take place. Um, at the same time, we were developing a corridor in between Spring Mill and US 31 that was to help fix that solution. You know, that corridor was, uh, we saw as vital to economic development as well. As we constructed that corridor, of course, all the intersections were roundabouts there as well. So I think that's where once you can really commit to a steady philosophy and have proper installation, I think that really starts bringing the public support on board because people see the benefits of it. And it's and, and it actually gives parts of the life back. Mm-hmm. When I grew up and learned to drive, I learned to drive in New Jersey and New Jersey is the home of one of the first traffic circles that ever was created in the United States. Now, traffic circles, I guess, are a close cousin of roundabouts, but I know here in New Jersey, they decided to get rid of many of those traffic circles. Uh, It was kind of the Wild West in some ways of driving because there were no real rules about who had the right of way or anything like that. Tell me a little bit, how, how does a traffic circle differ from a roundabout, if you would? I think the main thing between a traffic circle and a modern roundabout is all to do with design and geometry and a big part size as well. Some of those, those early traffic circles are pretty large. Um, you know, there's even instances where a modern roundabout was built inside of the traffic circle to take its place. Those are some of the key things with the roundabouts, the modern roundabouts, we're looking at proper geometry. We're looking to slow vehicles down, getting into the, the roundabout, really focusing on some of the fastest path through the roundabout cases. And I think those are some of the biggest differences between the two. We'll have more from Jeremy Cashman and how Carmel, Indiana is using roundabouts right after this message. Do you want to reach more than 16,000 transportation professionals? Podcasts like this one are a great way to reach a dedicated audience of listeners. Sponsoring an ITE podcast is a cost-effective way to gain exposure and build brand awareness. ITE offers podcasts on key issues like mobility as a service, safety, connected and automated vehicles, and transportation systems management and operations, ensuring your message is heard by the right people. 
For more information, contact Tima Good at tima.good at the ygsgroup.com. That's T-I-M-A dot G-O-O-D at the ygsgroup.com. As the city engineer, obviously, you're in charge of designing these. Not necessarily that you are the designer of these, but you're in charge of that. And share with us some of the, the more interesting design or operational challenges you've faced and how you've overcome them, if you would, please, Jeremy. Uh, so some of the some of the, the challenges that we have put forth with some of our roundabouts, we're obviously, we're taking a large initiative to really study to make sure we're not oversizing our transportation network. You know, one of the sayings that we have is, first, we want to fix our nodes, fix the intersections, and, and try to leave the existing roads the same size and shape. You know, whatever we build today, we have to maintain tomorrow. So there's no reason to building it twice as big as it needs to be. So then there's a couple instances, say, near our high school where you know, we've had to make the decision whether or not to go multi-lane or single lane, because the peak hour is really a 15 to 20 minute time frame mm-hmm. in the morning during school. You know, we've used some innovative methods that's actually, we put a roundabout there and we have a traffic meter on it, similar to a an interstate on-ramp during peak time. So that actually helps regulate the traffic, helps balance that flow out. You could probably add multiple lanes to that and you might still have a congestion problem during school traffic. So it's just trying to be smart about it. Some of the challenges we had in our urban cores, we were really trying to make our urban core more pedestrian and bicycle friendly. So one of our projects that we're about halfway through is our Rangeline Road Streetscape project. And that's a project where we've taken a five-lane roadway, so two lanes in each direction with the center turn lane, the suicide lane. Um, and we're taking that down in some instances to one lane in each direction with the landscape comedian and replacing the traffic signals at the intersections with roundabouts. And, and then one added key to those roundabouts that we've added are raised pedestrian crosswalks. So taking that pedestrian crosswalk to kind of a different level of finish where we're adding uh, the raised crosswalks to slow people down really more of a visual cue that people are going to be crossing at those intersections. So that's uh, that's one of the projects that we're very proud of and, and we've seen as a success so far. Talking about the pedestrians, have you found evidence that the roundabouts decrease the number of pedestrian or and or bicycle crashes and at the same time, maybe if it's not necessarily fewer in number, at least decrease the severity of those uh, events? Yeah, so our pedestrian data is pretty good. It's actually sometimes when you look at it, we don't have a lot of data on pedestrian crashes just because um, we feel like our system's working pretty well. Um, I think the one other thing that we do is like to give a lot of different options to people. So if if um, in, in certain instances, we've also created some mid-block crosswalks, especially in areas where we can get traffic. So you don't have to go out of your way to cross across the roadway. There's some different things we've done on our roadway network that also help with that. We do have a fair amount of boulevard style um, roadways in the city. So that helps with the mid-block pedestrian crosswalks because you get a center refuge for, for safety. And then we're also, while we've building, been building a lot of roundabouts, we've also been building a lot of multi-ace paths throughout the city. You know, since 1996, we've also constructed over 200 miles of multi-ace path throughout the city. So um, really looking to connect our residential areas to our urban core and our expansive parks network as well. You touched on this a little bit before, but I'd like to get into it a little bit deeper. You talked about landscaping 
in the the roundabouts. And from some of the pictures that I've seen of the roundabouts in Carmel, there is even artwork and such that's that's involved. Talk to us a little bit about the design and the aesthetics, if you will, of the roundabouts. You know, that's one thing that we're also very proud of in the city is that we, not only do we use the roundabouts as a safe way network and a benefit to our climate, but really focus on them as enhancing our quality of place. You know, we've taken all that asphalt out of the middle of an intersection and we've planted flowers or we've added artwork throughout the city. Um, that's been a, a more recent push that we've done through the years here um, and really just kind of creating a, a sense of place throughout the city. And we do those things also to slow vehicles down. What I like to say is if you really look at, it kind of takes the outliers out of entering the roundabout. There are times where if a person's entering the roundabout at a very high rate of speed, they can because they can clearly see across the center of the roundabout that nobody's coming. So adding the, the landscaping in, blocking the views just to the point where you the appropriate sight triangles for speed. We do design off of that, but that way start to slow people down. Also, for the very timid driver that may sit at a sit at the entry to a roundabout because they see somebody across the roundabout, this also allows them to focus where they need to focus, maintain safe driving habits. Talking a little bit more about safety, we've talked about it as far as pedestrians, but as far as vehicles are concerned, tell us a bit more about the safety benefits and how you've used that data to back up your decisions to install more and more roundabouts in Carmel. Yeah, so we're very proud of our safety data. You know, some of the early studies that we used when we were developing them come from the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety showed that there's a 37% drop in accidents at roundabouts and a 75% uh, reduction in accidents with injury. We recently completed uh, an additional study with the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety where they actually took all of our data and compared, uh, there's a whole big process to that, but that was a study that was released last August and showed that at 64 intersections that were converted from signal or stop, we saw a 21% reduction in accidents and a 47% reduction in accidents with injury. So those are big. I mean, and then if you look at our data from 1996 to the present time, our city basically tripled in population from 30,000 to just over 100,000 today, but we actually had less personal injury accidents last year than we did in 1996. To me, that is just, you know, because not only has our population grown, but our land area has grown as well. And when I give presentations, I kind of put that slide up to show the city limits before and the city limits now. Um, the other positive in that is if you look at some of the national statistics per 100,000 people, I think for fatalities, that rate is somewhere between 11 and four fatalities per 100,000 people. Uh, we've been holding steady at two for the last dozen years. So it's, and it's contributed to roundabouts, but it's also contributed to some other things we've done on our roadway network. Well, obviously safety is one of the biggest benefits that you get from roundabouts, but there are some additional benefits as well. Tell us a little bit more about how they've improved mobility. And that means reduced delays, obviously, and reduced carbon emissions. Nobody um, likes driving home from a nine o'clock meeting and sitting at a stoplight. Uh, when nobody else is driving around. So um, that's one of the major benefits. We've had this discussion when we work with other industry partners as far as somebody brings up, well, by putting a roundabout in versus something else, maybe the peak hour isn't as efficient. And it's like, well, but there's still 23 hours out of the day as well. So 
uh, those are very important. So that's where we see the biggest benefit is a reduced idling and emission. You know, a fair amount of our roundabouts we've constructed with CMAC money or congestion mitigation air quality money. So that's a, a method that you have to go through to prove what the reduction in carbon emissions is in order to, to apply for the funding. We talked about Carmel being called the roundabout capital of the United States. You mentioned you're a suburb of Indianapolis. Obviously, people around the country have come to Carmel to to see what you're doing. You've talked to groups around the country about what you're doing. But I'm curious about your neighbors, the city of Indianapolis, some of the other suburbs. Have they followed your lead with doing roundabouts? Perhaps not as many as you have in Carmel, but doing some more of their own because of what they've seen uh, at their neighbor. Yeah, I mean, I think translating what we've done across our region, I think some of our neighboring cities in Hamilton County have been more of an adopter than others. Um, The city of Noblesville, city of Fishers, and city of Westfield, and then even Hamilton County Highway Department have adopted roundabouts. So I think probably region-wide between all of those entities, they're probably, they probably don't have as many to do. But you know they're steadily improving their roadway network as well. They're actually one of their main north-south corridors. State Road 37 is currently being kind of mirrored off of what we did on Keystone Parkway back in 2010-2011. That's a high-volume state road that's being grade-separated, and a majority of the interchanges are becoming um, roundabout interchanges. So we're happy to set the tone, and we're here to advocate for roundabouts. Well, I'm sure you can give quite a few detailed answers to this, but just in terms of the big picture for someone who's listening to this, that's thinking about installing roundabouts in their city or town, any general suggestions you might offer as to what they should do to start off? The general way to start is I think you don't want to try your most challenging intersection first. I don't think you want to choose possibly sometimes even a new road or a new project that's coming in to solidify the success of roundabouts, maybe try a different intersection that's just a single lane roundabout, sometimes even in a series, and then really let people see that benefit of how smooth the roundabout works, the progression through a series of them, how well that works. And then once you get that base, now you can start working to maybe there's some more challenging intersections that you think a roundabout would work at. There's nothing better than opening up a new roundabout you know, even sometimes we might get a call from a constituent about striping or something like that, because sometimes we're still working, you know, modifying some things. But then afterwards, we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you um, that that cuts, um, you know, five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day off of my trip to soccer practice. So those are good calls to get. There's nothing more that you can value than your time. And if you can get some of your time back during the day, that's, that's fantastic. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We've been talking with Jeremy Cashman. He is the Director of Engineering and the City Engineer for Carmel, Indiana. Jeremy, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us on ITE Talks Transportation. Yes, thanks so much for having me.